Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Iwana's now hour number two coming right at you. You missed anything in hour number one? You can find it on the Iwana's Now podcast. Probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store where they're all grizz all the time, and the Montana State Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org next time you're in the market for some blue and gold. We've been uh, going through some Big Sky Word Association, so we'll do that here in uh, just a little bit, finish up with our uh, Word Association from around the league. We're also going to talk some NFL as well. And Brooks Davis, who's an incoming wide receiver recruit for the University of Montana football team, uh, will also join us. The Stats FCS Perform preseason All-American team is out. A variety of Big Sky Conference guys landed on this team. The only first-teamer from the state of Montana is Tommy Sullivan, junior long snapper for the Bobcats. But a variety of other uh, MSU players are on this squad. Tommy Mullott was a second-team All-American pick by Stats Perform. Rush Reimer on the offensive line for the Cats. Sebastian Valdez on the defensive line uh, for MSU. Those, those three are all uh, second-team guys. Then you got Marquis Johnson as a kick returner and Taco Dowler as a punt returner on the third team as uh, special teams players. For the Grizz, you got Junior Bergen as a second team All American preseason as a punt returner, and then Alex Gubner, who's a third team All American preseason uh, on the defensive line. A couple other Big Sky guys on the first team. I include Hayden Hatton, who's the preseason player of the year uh, out of Idaho, wide receiver for the Vandals. Marshall Martin, who's a senior tight end uh, for Sacramento State. And uh, then defensively, no, oh, just one from the Big Sky Conference, Maxwell Anderson of Weber State, a guy that uh, Andrew's very high on. Uh, he lands on the, uh, the first team preseason defensive team uh, for stats perform. Also, Abraham Williams, unsurprisingly, for Weber State, a uh, first team All American preseason selection. Uh, kick returner after having four kick returns for touchdowns in just his sophomore year alone. So a uh, ton of big sky guys on the list, ton of guys overall, uh, but yet another indication that football season is upon us, the uh, release of a preseason uh, All-American team. Before we get to more Big Sky Word Association, I want to ask, Andrew, you mentioned the, the Women's World Cup last night and certainly a uh, a disappointing scoreless tie with Portugal, but United States women's team does get out of the group stage into the knockout stage. So I have two questions for you. First of all, how big of an upset would that have been if they did not advance from the group stage? Oh, Titanic. Monumental. Well, I mean, you're talking like one of the great sports upsets ever, right? I mean, what would the betting odds have been for the United States to not make it out of the, the uh, group stage? A lot, probably. 50 to 1? 50 to 1? Yeah. 40 to 1? Yeah. 
I believe it, for sure. I mean, they're the two-time defending champions. So Number one ranked team in the world coming into it. Yeah. Okay, so it would certainly have been a Titanic upset. Second question, you mentioned now probably they're not the favorite in the in the knockout stage anymore because of their sort of lackluster performances these last couple matches. What's the number one thing that ails this team, or what do they have to fix to get back into the driver's seat as the, the top team? Oh, it's a tough question to answer because so many things are going wrong. It's tough to know where to start. I think that they're having a hard time scoring goals because I'm not sure they know who their who their front three are going to be. I mean, Alex Morgan has been sort of ineffective in these games. She's been playing through the middle as the striker. We'll we'll see. I. I think also there was a little bit of complacency around this team in the group stage, mm-hmm. uh, even going into this game last night. Uh, I think that they are were sort of unprepared for, for sort of how good the world has gotten because what, what I saw last night was a team that was sort of expecting their, uh, their strength, their speed, their physical attributes uh, to carry them through that game against Portugal. They were unable to really string together uh, any good passages of play that weren't weren't solo efforts. I mean, Rose Lavelle had a nice run through the middle where she dribbled past a couple players, but I thought that Portugal was, was technically superior. In a way, it looked a lot like some of the U.S. men's teams that we've seen, uh, clearly way better, but sort of relying on um, physical strength and uh, determination and spirit uh, to, to carry them through. So I don't... I don't really know where you start as far as what I'd like to see. I'd like to see them move Julie Ertz into the midfield because their midfield has been been just so easy to play through. I think they need to put Julie Ertz. She's been playing center back. I think you need to bring somebody in on the back line and put Julie Ertz at defensive midfield. Uh, we'll see what other what other changes they make going into the knockout rounds. But certainly a team that could still go in and win it all. They have the talent too, but I, I think... This has knocked them down a tier or two. Five days now until the next match, Sunday. is that right? Sunday. So, and they don't know their opponent yet, is that correct? It's likely to be Sweden. Okay. So, uh, we'll keep you apprised of what's going on at the Women's World Cup, particularly when it comes to the United States uh, women's national team. Golf has had such a huge resurgence, and it's certainly picked up a ton of momentum around western Montana. If you haven't noticed, the courses are packed. If you want to have a little bit of a, an escape and uh, have a little bit less busy of a course, but a, a great experience at a beautiful place and a really affordable price, go check out King Ranch Golf Course out there uh, in Frenchtown. It's a beautiful piece of land. It's a great track, really unique, totally different than all the rest of the courses around Western Montana. So if uh, you want a, a nice, affordable, family-friendly golf experience, go check out King Ranch Golf Course out there uh, in Frenchtown. Big Sky Word Association. Continues, and we're uh, we're to the bottom of the league. We did, we shouldn't have done this so linearly, but uh, here we are. So we got three teams left. My my phrase for Cal Poly is boom or bust because I actually do think that Cal Poly has probably you've been Andrew's been doing these great uh, position group handicapping for the Montana Grizzlies. He started out with the quarterbacks. 
What's the handicap of that position battle? What percentage chance does Sam Vidlak have, Clifton McDowell, Chris Brown? So go check that out, SkylineSportsMT.com. And we'll keep adding to those for the uh, other intriguing position battles that will play out uh, in Missoula for the Grizz over the next several weeks. But when you're handicapping the league race, the one team that I think has the most uh, variability in what they could be is Cal Poly. And I think so much of that centers upon, did they make strides coming out of last year, even though last year they took so many different lumps? Do they still have uh, upward momentum with Paul Wolf taking over for Bo Baldwin? And more than anything, does Sam Heward, who's the most prestigious quarterback recruit in the history of the Big Sky as a five-star guy going to play for the Mustangs, does he hit? Is is that a a net positive? Can he be one of the best teams or one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the league? And, and can that make Cal Poly one of the best teams in the league? I don't think Cal Poly is going to be one of the best teams in the league, but I do think they could have the most variance from what they were a year ago, which was just flat bad. And uh, so my phrase for Cal Poly is boom or bust. Yeah, my phrase is it's a low bar, right? It's a low yeah. bar uh, for them to take steps forward this season. I think we want to see that. Um, I think certainly with Paul Wolf there, they have the chance to do that. But I think that, you know, success is going to be measured in, in small steps for each of these bottom three teams. I think Cal Poly sort of has the best chance to take a step forward just because of, of what they looked like last year. And sort of the notion of how much a, a quarterback can make a difference, we're going to find out because uh, they need to make some big-time strides defensively for any of it to matter unless Sam Heward just comes in as just the best. Uh, and I don't really know. I don't I don't know what I think of how that's going to play out. I do think there's some familiarity there with Sheldon Cross, the offensive coordinator at Cal Poly, who was Sam Heward's high school coach. Regardless if they're running the same stuff or not, they certainly are going to know how to communicate better than just two guys coming in blind. It, if Cal Poly only improves incrementally defensively, but Sam Heward's the best quarterback in the league. What's the ceiling? I don't know. Three, con- three conference run- wins? Yeah. I mean, I think that here, here's something that I'm going to throw at you because we're, we're sort of on this tangent now. We saw Dylan McCaffrey yep. struggle at Northern Colorado. Jacob Sermon has gotten some time at Northern Colorado, and he was he's better than McCaffrey, and we'll see him get another chance again this year. Yep. How much does the... Uh, just the type of quarterback that's coming down. And again, it's such a small sample size where we're seeing these real top 10 quarterback recruits in the country. In the country. Yeah. Transfer in really has been McCaffrey, Sermon, and now Sam Heward. Yeah. How much do those guys need the pieces around them to succeed? Or I guess just how much better do those guys look when they're playing with the pieces around them, right? I mean, these guys are generally pocket quarterbacks. Yep. Pro-style quarterbacks, right? How much does does a guy like that look worse than his level when he's playing w- without anything around him? Well, I think that the McCaffrey situation is a totally unique situation because I think that that whole all the circumstances around that were just were just disastrous. I mean, now that the dust has settled there in Greeley, it's very clear that Ed McCaffrey thought that taking over at Northern Colorado was going to be easy. I think he completely and utterly underestimated the league. I think he thought he could bring in a whole bunch of transfers and just take the league by storm. And, you know, not really – it just seemed like there was a 
fundamental disrespect for the conference by that last regime. But then I also think that you got your dad as the head coach, you got your brother as the offensive coordinator, and then you're the quarterback. There's just there's a lot of things that could go wrong. I also think that they ran a pretty uh, – I mean, let's just say it, let's just say it frankly. They ran a pro-style offense because Ed McCaffrey took the Northern Colorado job because he thought that was the best way to get his son to the NFL, and then his son proved that it, he was not an NFL talent, and now there's no more McCaffreys left in Greeley. I think that's as blunt as you can possibly be. So I don't really know if that's a good sample size. I think that's to the aside. I think Jacob Sermon could be good at Northern Colorado this year. I think that Ed Lamb, if there's anybody that could sort of give a, a positive infusion into a young man who's had uh, an unpredictable and sort of disappointing career so far, I think Ed Lamb's that guy. And uh, for for Heward, I, I really just think it, I, I think your question is a really good one. How much do they need the guys around him uh, to perform? I I think that that's a it's a really good point. I, I just expect that dynamic to be different at Northern Colorado this year. At Cal Poly, I'm not sure. Cal, here's the thing that Cal Poly is going to always have a problem with, and it's ironic that we're talking about the most prestigious transfer to ever come into the Big Sky in terms of star rating going to Cal Poly because that's going to be the place they're the most behind is their ability to take big-time transfers because the academic part has to be so ironed out. The fact that it's a quarterback is not that surprising, but you can't just go get three Pac-12 receivers to put around this guy. I mean, you could. You could. You just have to find the right guy. And so, uh, I don't know, I guess it's TBD, but it's a great question. It's a great point. I do think that even if you are a, a really talented guy, you do need somebody to, to help you out. You need somebody to catch the ball. Yeah, I guess all I'm saying is that kind of what I'm getting at here is that all three of these guys sort of either by coincidence or because that's just the way it worked out, they're put in a situation where they need to be floor raisers, right? They need yeah, to raise right. the floor of a bad team. I think you can make an argument that all all three of these guys are, are more cut out to be ceiling raisers, right? You take yeah. a, a good team and you turn them into something that you know they couldn't have if they didn't have a, a great quarterback. So w- we'll see. It's just an interesting spot for, for, I guess, all three of those guys, but Sermon and Heward this year. Word association, Big Sky Conference style. On that Northern Colorado note... My, my word for Northern Colorado is just regal because that's just what I think of when I think of Ed Lamb. Ed Lamb has been such a class act to me uh, during our time covering the big sky. He was there at Southern Utah for, for uh, quite a few years, including uh, five seasons while they were still in the league. So I got to know him well. He, he's a very well-spoken and smart guy. We used to have this big sky conference coaches call once a week. And a lot of times I was the only one on there asking questions to schools like Southern Utah. So I got to know Ed Lamb well because I interviewed him pretty much every week. And uh, I think that he is a great coach that is able to instill uh, positivity in his players. And I also think that having been at Southern Utah, he is well aware of having to mitigate disadvantages. And I think that's something that Northern Colorado during their duration of their Division One history, has struggled with. So I think that, you know, I put on the outline, regal yet still irrelevant, because I do think that Ed Lamb's a good hire. I just think that we're going to have no idea just how good for quite some time, because I do think that the situation he took over there in Greeley is is quite a mess. Yeah, and that's sort of why my phrase for them is just, 
new beginning, right? You yeah. can... Ed Lamb really has a clean slate there. Yeah. Anything that Ed Lamb comes in and does, whether it's uh, personnel-wise, culture-wise, routine, practice-wise, it's probably going to be perceived as a step forward. For sure. For the, for the players that are already there and for the yep. people who are observing the program. So it really is a unique opportunity to take a, a completely new and clean slate for a new head coach. And, and it's just, it'll be interesting to see now what that program looks like. Because I don't think they'll have any problem jettisoning anything that, that stayed with the McCaffreys, right? I think, That's right. Yeah. I mean, like when Chris Ball takes over at Northern Arizona, okay, you got you know, new guys coming in. You got guys that are sort of, okay, wait and see, but we'll give this new guy a chance. And then you have guys that loved Jerome Sowers who just immediately left the program. I totally agree with what you're saying. I don't think there's hardly anybody, if anybody, that's on the Northern Colorado roster that's like, man, I wish Coach McCaffrey was still here. <laughs> we can't keep bagging on the McCaffreys. Uh, is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. All right, last one, Big Sky Word Association. Idaho State, I have hapless. And it's crazy because Idaho State has sort of been stuck toward the bottom for 15 years in the Big Sky. Yet... They've had moments when they were way more competitive than people give them credit for, and now they're to the point where they are so far away from where they were, Rob Fennessy's last year, or where they were in Mike Kramer's second to last year. They're so far away from that. And uh, so I think it's going to be a really, really tough uh, rebuild for Cody Hawkins. Yeah, my word would be the... New turf, you know? Just yeah. go enjoy the new turf, the new seats, the redone renovations at Holt Arena uh, because it's going to be a long rebuild, right, for Idaho State, I think, coming with, with what their roster looks like right now Yeah, and uh, and where they are in the conference. But, but hey, I mean, that's a step forward. For sure. Getting Holt Arena redone is a step forward. We, we talk about all these intangible things like fathers and sons coaching each other and all these other different things. Idaho State's problem to me their number one issue right now is cut and dry point blank period. They just don't have good enough players. And that's the thing that's so striking is you can say, okay, well, they haven't won anything for a long time, but during the Rob fantasy years and the Mike Kramer years, the the best offensive lineman at Idaho state was, was, you know, what a, a third team or, or honorable mention, all league type guy. They had a defensive lineman usually and a safety usually that were good. They always had great receivers. They've had great skill players. Yeah, I think back to that team, I think it was Fantasy second to last year when they had Tanner and Mitch Guller and they had Xavier Finney and they had uh, the, the big offensive lineman who had a cup of coffee in the NFL. All those guys were like good to really good Big Sky Conference players. There's not even like a token, oh, that guy deserves to be, you know, Idaho State's one representative on the All-Big Sky team. I didn't even consider voting for a single player on their roster for the preseason All-League team. And that that says something about where they are. But again, like I said about Cal Poly, right, the the steps forward are manageable. Uh, They're clearly set out in front of you. I mean, I think that the the goal is just going to be get better players, right? Well, that's 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 clear. Um. And that's easy to measure, and it's easy to evaluate, right? And because they're so far down, you don't have to make it happen in one year. 
We we know it's going to be a long rebuild. Cody Hawkins knows it's going to be a long rebuild. So there are opportunities there to to take step steps forward this year, uh, despite still being at the bottom of the league. Football right around the corner. You want to watch football, Big Sky Conference style, or college football, or the NFL. The Silver Slipper has 55 TVs for you to watch all the sports. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, whatever. The Silver Slipper will have it on for you. They got drink specials every day. 20 kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. Nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. Stop by today. Say why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. What would you do if you were Idaho State? How do you get better players? Do you take like the old school Mike Kramer approach where you put all your eggs in one basket and just try to beat your rival to then just try to swing the momentum of the in-state recruiting? Like if you're Idaho State, you just load up and try to beat Idaho? Well, I think you do put a lot of focus on recruiting the in-state kids, no matter what. I mean, obviously and it's if you a bonus if a you top, beat Idaho. If you knock off a top 10 or top 15 Idaho team, doesn't that help you in-state? Yeah, but what are you saying, like, load up to knock off Idaho? Like, oh, they're going to be trying to do that anyway, and yeah, that's it's true. not going to happen anyway. I mean, I just re- harken back to the 2000 season when Montana State went un- went defeated. They went 0-11, but they, they practiced at least once a week for the Grizz, no matter who they were playing. And then two years later, they beat the Grizz for the first time in 16 years. There's not sort of this complex within the rivalry like there is in Montana, and Certainly the Bobcats had a serious complex at that moment. So simply beating the Grizz made Mike Kramer the, the hero of the world in Bobcat Nation when he when they won in Missoula in 2002. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily as sort of cataclysmic as it, it would be in Montana. But um, I don't know. I, I guess I've thought about this a lot. Because there's, there's advantages and disadvantages at every football program in the Big Sky Conference. I don't know what the advantages are at Idaho State and how you take advantage of them. Yeah. I man, it's it's tough. I mean, they're not they've had success more recently than somebody like Northern Colorado. I mean, they beat Idaho in the spring season. They did. And they beat them the year, not the year before that, but the two years before that as well. I mean, that rivalry has actually been relatively even since they started playing it again, although it's not likely to be this year. Yep. They've got... Because they've they've tried multiple iterations of the run the hurry up spread. Yeah. Because they play indoors. Yeah. Like 2014 is their best season of the last 10 years. And that team narrowly missed the playoffs because they had to play in Bozeman in November and the Cats just ran it down their throats. And even though Justin Arias and that team scored some points, that game cost them a playoff berth. And you just have to wonder how much of it was because of the style they play. Uh, I I just really don't know how, how you do it. You could embrace that and succeed in the big sky, though. You, could, you can. I mean, sure. that's been, like you said, when they've had the most success. You just have to pick an identity. No, that's for sure. I, I just think it's easier to get sort of chip-on-your-shoulder, swaggy-type skill players from the metropolitan areas of your eastern Washington because of what your brand is, where you're located at, 
what the amenities are. It's way easier to get Kendrick Bourne to go to Eastern Washington than it is to get him to go to Pocatello. And there's just sort of like this contrast, right? I think that the best version of Idaho State would be to embrace where they're at and who they are. A working-class town. I mean, Pocatello is like the butte of Idaho, right? No doubt. They should just have a butte-type team. Like, run it down your throat. Get, I would try to get all the kids in Idaho I possibly could, but I don't know how you get cool enough, quote-unquote, to do that when you got Boise State and Idaho uh, around. Yeah, the best kids coming out of Idaho are skill players. Kenyon That's Sadiq, true. who's That's coming. True. Gatlin Bear. Our two four-star nationally recruited wide receivers, Colson Loveland, who's at Michigan as a tight end right now, pass-catching sure. tight end. Javante King is the, the biggest recruit out of that Pocatello area from out of Blackfoot. Yep. He's going to the catch to play wide receiver. Yep. Uh, I mean, Luke so I Flowers, guess there's the a great, rapey kid. There's a great example is the kid that's going to the Cats. You just can't let the Cats come into to Blackfoot, no, Idaho, right down him. the road. you got to go get them. You have to get them. And, and that's the thing. You have to hit a baseline of... Competence, so at least the kids are saying, right? They're not just missing you out of hand. Just, it, it's a no-brainer right now for Javante King to go to the defending Big Sky Conference champions, who won 12 games last year, rather than the one-win Bengals. But if ISU who have a new is just coach. okay, you just have to be okay to have a chance with those kids. Totally, absolutely. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. That. Thus ends our word association, but we'll have plenty of fun games around, uh, surrounding Big Sky Conference football as the uh, weeks and months of football season progress. Guess what? We're going to keep talking football. Brooks Davis, a three-star recruit out of California who recently committed as a wide receiver to the Montana Grizzlies, will join us next. Keep it right here. New is Now, ESPN Radio. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Our recruiting coverage continues. Fall camp right around the corner for the Montana Grizzlies. They officially open up on Friday, although they don't take the Dornblazer field uh, practice field until Monday. They have a three-day install, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then they'll be out on the field 2.30 on Monday. So I, uh, I teased earlier this week that I was going to go check out the Grizz for the first time this year. That's actually not true. It's not going to happen until Monday because, you know, can't go into the meeting rooms. But we will be out there at practice on Monday. So uh, looking forward to, to that. Looking forward to getting our eyes on the 2023 version uh, of the Montana Grizzlies. Our recruiting coverage continues with now one of the latest commits for the University of Montana football program. It's Brooks Davis. He's a wide receiver, Heritage High School in Brentwood, California, which is in the Los Angeles area. Three-star recruit. I gave his pledge uh, to Montana recently. Brooks, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. First of all, just give people uh, just an update on uh, sort of this upcoming couple weeks for you. When does your high school program dive into fall camp? But what do you think? How's the summer gone? What do you think of diving into your senior year? The summer has been great. We've been working for a couple months now. We just got into pads, and the season will start in a couple weeks, and I'm really excited. I think we're ready to go. So tell me about your high school, uh, Heritage High School there in Brentwood. Brentwood, uh, just in the Los Angeles area, right? So uh, just yeah. give, us, give us the breakdown of uh, just Heritage in general. You know, we're a hard-working school. Um, you know, we compared to the other schools, uh, like some of the kids at our high school who don't really see us as the greatest, but we've been working hard. 
Um, we came off a six and four season last year with a running back. I don't know with Devin Rivers. He was really high, highly recruited. He's going to Fresno, but we've been working hard and we're ready for the season. Tell us about Montana. Then, how did the Grizz first land on your radar? How, how did the recruiting play out? So I was at a camp in um, San Diego, and that's where I first met Coach Hawk. And then he saw me play, and he said he he uh, started talking to me, and he was saying that they really need me, and it just all started from there. Well, the Grizz certainly have great ties there in the San Diego area. Bobby Houck was at San Diego State for three years. Justin Green, the recruiting coordinator, uh, also a San Diego native who's recruited down there uh, in Southern California quite a bit as well. Uh, have you got a chance to come to Missoula yet? Yeah, I just actually went um, there last week. It was great. It was a great experience. I checked out the campus. He gave me a little tour, and that's when I ultimately committed. So how much just being in Missoula uh, helped you helped you want to commit? Oh, a lot, because I, I didn't really know what to expect, but when I first came down there, I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Um, I saw the campus, and I just knew this was a place where I need to go. Brooks Davis joining us here on Nuanas Now. He is a three-star recruit wide receiver out of the Los Angeles area. I gave his commitment uh, to the Montana Grizzlies for the class of uh, 2024, uh, just a couple days ago, just on July 29th. Yep. What else do you like about the Montana program? And what, what sort of things did they tell you just about the uh, the atmosphere in Missoula and, and the tradition of Grizz football? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he told me a lot. They're really big about the football and the atmosphere. I heard there's about 25,000 to 27,000 fans, and that's insane and how supportive the fans are, how packed the games are um and i love how like the brotherhood of missoula and montana is and it was just a great experience and i love how they want to win because ultimately i want to go to somewhere where i'm going to win and they do it they do it a lot there no doubt about it brooks davis joining us here on nuanas now what did you think montana was going to be like before you came here i honestly had no idea um, some of my parents' friends told me, you know, you, there's a lot of fishing, hunting, stuff like that. But it was really nice seeing all the mountains, big trees. It was nothing like I've seen before. And Missoula has got a lot going on. I mean, I think that people think small town Montana, pretty sleepy towns. And that's certainly true around a lot of Montana. But Missoula certainly uh, has a, a metropolitan feel now. Nowhere, nowhere close to yeah. L.A., obviously. But uh, there's, oh, yeah. there's yeah. stuff going on here, though, right? Yeah, definitely. There's great places to eat. It's really cozy, really nice people. It was very pleasant. What did you think of campus? Oh, it was really nice. You know, we, we took a tour. It's really big. We saw it took me around the whole, whole nine yards. Um, it was really nice. Brooks Davis joining us here on Nuanas Now. He's a Heritage High School senior-to-be, wide receiver out of the Los Angeles area, 5'11", 170 pounds, three-star recruit coming to the Montana Grizzlies, gave his commitment uh, last Friday to Montana football. So uh, he'll be one of the, the first commitment, commitments for the class of 2024. How about just what made Montana stand out? Because you have some other offers, and I know you're getting recruited by quite a few schools. So uh, what was sort of the deciding factor, and why now? I mean, what what was the deciding factor to picking the Grizz and also the timing of this decision? Um, Montana, compared to everyone else, the main thing was 
I love how they love to throw the ball because that's personally what they need me for as a wide receiver. I love catching the ball and doing what I do. And they just broke down the play style and how they play, and I knew it fit me perfectly. And with Coach Erickson, I mean, I love him. Uh, he's, like, a, pretty much a friend of me. He was really welcoming. He, he um, introduced me to most of the players, some of the other Waffle House uh, wide receivers, and I just knew it. The Waffle House. Gotta love it. Anytime any of the Grizz wide receivers are doing interviews, the other ones are always yelling, Waffle House. I don't even know what the joke is, but uh, it seems like an inside one, and it seems like a good one. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, 18 catches, 428 yards, five touchdowns last year during your junior year. Uh, how would you sort of describe yourself as a wide receiver? Are you more comfortable on the inside, the outside? How's uh, what Stylistically, what do you like? Uh, I mostly, last year I was on the outside, you know, I was making the, the long ball, like the deep plays, post, fade, stuff like that, and I'm starting now to work inside, so I'm trying to expand my my game, but uh, they used me pretty much for like the big plays last year. Well, very cool. Uh, take us through your summer then. Uh, have, you, have you gotten any camps, or what's it been like to sort of prepare it? Yeah, um, I went to multiple camps, probably around five or six, and I was working with my seven-on-seven team to help me develop as a player, um, work on my craft, and because I've only been playing for about one year, so oh wow, uh, my seven-on-seven team and high school really helped me develop and become a better player, best player I can be. Well, what what got you into football then? Because sort of late to the game, but that's pretty cool that you've developed so fast. Yeah, um, it was my coach because I've been playing baseball all throughout my life, and the football coach, you know, he would pull me out of class like two to three times a day, um, pretty much recruiting me and saying they need me on the team. And after about a while, I just said, you know what, I might as well try it out. And then ever since I started, I love it. So, Well, that's pretty cool to, to pick up football and then get a Division I opportunity. So, I mean, what was the most challenging part of that? I mean, how did you sort of overcome some of the stuff early on and, and get to this point so quickly? Uh, probably adjust to the competition, you know. I kind of got some really good guys, but I'm really competitive myself, and it just kind of motivated me and drive me to be become the best football player I can be. And picking up from the attributes I get from baseball, you know, tracking the ball, and like compared to basketball, putting putting moves on guys, it kind of I kind of just fell right into it. Probably seemed like it happened pretty fast for you. So, I mean, did you think when you first started playing football that that was going to be your, your college future? No, I had no idea because I was playing baseball my whole life. I never thought, you know, I'd play one season and then pick up all these offers and be where I am now. Brooks Davis, senior to be at Heritage High School in Brentwood, California, recently committed uh, to the Montana Grizzlies. Uh, last couple of things for you then. What are your expectations, both individually and, and as a team, for your senior year now? I think we're going to do big things. Um, I think we're going to win our league, which is the BVAL. I'm confident because um, we've been working hard, and we're really driven more than ever. And I think we're going to win a lot more games than we will lose. And last thing for you then, I mean, this has to be pretty gratifying to, to come late to the game and, and get this chance. So what does it mean to you? What did it feel like when you, you first made the decision, you first made your commitment to the Grizz? It was, it was huge. It kind of blew up because the huge fan base in Montana, and I was getting a lot of support, a lot of fans, a lot of coaches. 
you know, even some of the team texted me and congratulated me. So it's just really, really welcome, good support, and it was great. Well, awesome. Congratulations to you. Best of luck with your senior year. We'll certainly be in touch uh, throughout and uh, probably have you back on one more time before you sign, but we appreciate you being here, man. Thanks for making the time. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. There you go, Brooks Davis, Heritage High School, Brentwood, California, three-star recruit uh, for the Montana Grizz football team for the class of 2024. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. NFL. Coming at you. Keep it right here. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. One, two, three. Two, one is now on ESPN Radio. Missoula Paddleheads back in town. Great Falls Voyagers in town uh, to play Missoula. And we got tickets for you to tomorrow night's game. Pair of them. You want them? We got them. 406-888-1029. Caller number 3, 406-888-1029. Call us right now. You want a pair of tickets to Wednesday night's Missoula Paddleheads game. You're listening to Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Missed anything in the show? You can find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit GoBlackfoot.com to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. The M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. And the Montana State Bookstore. Visit MSUBookstore.org. The NFL, how about this, begins in two days. Who would have ever thunk the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns We'll play Thursday night, 6 p.m. on NBC, and uh, the preseason will be upon us. So a uh, ton of storylines going on in the NFL, but the uh, the most sort of omnipresent and uh, widespread storyline in the league right now is the, how do you say, devaluation, I guess, of running backs. This has been a, an ongoing trend, but right now, There's several guys in the league, led by Saquon Barkley and uh, Jonathan Taylor, that are certainly among the best players in the NFL, some of the best skill guys in the NFL, and really, really prolific running backs. But NFL teams have, have sort of cumulatively come together to make the decision that if a guy produces but then becomes too expensive, you can replace that exact production by committee, or that maybe that production just isn't that valuable when it comes to winning. Taylor's also a very unique situation because Jonathan Taylor, when healthy, has certainly been one of the best backs in the league. He led the NFL in rushing yards by more than 500 yards two years ago in his last fully healthy season. He was in and out last year. Um, but he's, when healthy, definitely one of the best guys uh, in the NFL. His situation, though, uh, Taylor, by the way, rushed for almost 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns as a rookie, then a league-best 1,811 yards and 18 scores in 2021, and then last year played in 11 games, 192 carries, 861 yards, and uh, four touchdowns. 
the 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 things that make the Taylor situation interesting though are one, he had a ton of tread on the tires before he got to the NFL. He was an unbelievably prolific running back at Wisconsin. Rushed for 1,977 yards on 300 carries his freshman year. 2,194 yards on 307 carries his sophomore year. 320 carries for 2,003 yards and 21 touchdowns as a junior before going pro. So you total it all up, that's 926 carries for 6,174 yards in college alone, and then another 756 carries for nearly 4,000 yards in the NFL. So that means since 2017, Jonathan Taylor has carried the ball almost 1,600 times for almost 10,000 yards. Now, granted, more than half those carries are in college, but the Big Ten, that's no, you know, it's no walk in the park. So he certainly has a ton of tread on his tires. That's one part of this, as Jonathan Taylor's holding out right now. That's sort of the, the news hook here, is he's holding out with the Colts. He's requested a trade. They're shopping him around. The other part, though, is, ironically, even though Taylor has had four 300-carry seasons in the last six of his football career, he's in Indianapolis, and they are working in one of the rawest but highest ceiling and compelling prospects the NFL seen in a little while. Anthony Richardson only started 13 games in his entire career at Florida. He's, I, I believe he just turned 21 years old, so he's certainly one of the youngest players in the NFL, and I believe the youngest quarterback in the NFL. But the Colts used a number four overall pick on him because of his, his measurables. I mean, in terms of size, speed, strength, arm strength, you could argue that this guy's one of the great athletes in, in the NFL draft history at quarterback. Can he turn that into production, though? I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody knows, but he definitely has a high ceiling. But that's why Jonathan Taylor wants a new contract, because he knows he's going to be the feature back next to a kid who's completely going to have an uphill battle and a steep, steep learning curve to become a bona fide elite NFL player. So Taylor wants to protect himself. I don't really know because I, I, it's, it's so compelling of an argument to me because I see both sides of it. I totally see why guys like Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley and some of the best running backs in the league, Derrick Henry is going to be in this, this group soon. I mean, he's one of the best running backs in the league, but he's going to be in this, this group in terms of contract negotiations soon. I, I just think that I see where they're coming from, wanting to have they want one to be compensated for their performance, wanting to be um, secure in their status on the team, and also wanting to get paid their worth. None of that's unique. We're, we, I hope we're all like that. But then I also see where the owners are coming from as well. For example, when Jonathan Taylor leads the NFL in rushing in 2021... With 1,800 yards, what does that actually do to impact winning? I mean, the Colts have one of the best uh, offensive lines in the league. They have for quite some time, so that's certainly a uh, contributing factor. But that Colts team, when Jonathan Taylor rushed for 1,811 yards and 18 touchdowns, that Colts team went 9-8 and and missed the playoffs. So I guess that's where the owners are coming from is – 
How much does having the leading rusher in the league actually impact winning? I think sometimes it does a lot. I think sometimes maybe not as much. I also think, though, let's say let's say the round number for Jonathan Taylor is $10 million bucks. Could you find three or four guys to combine to rush for 1,800 yards for less than $10 bucks? I bet you you could. Who won the Super Bowl last year? Kansas City Chiefs. What were they rolling with at running back? I mean, their number one guy by the time the Super Bowl rolled around, uh, Isaiah Pacheco, he's an undrafted free agent. Uh, they, they're playing multiple low-round draft picks as a running backs by committee. The, the one highly drafted running back they have on their r- roster – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a guy that was hardly even dressing out by the the stretch run of the playoffs. So I see where the running backs are coming from. I see where the owners are coming from. I don't really know where this is going to go other than the position to continue to be devalued. I just think that, you know, you have to do feel on a personal level for guys like Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley. But how do they actually find any footing in this? I, I just really don't know. Because for better or worse, the NFL is a business, and the business decisions are to treat the roster like a commodity or a, a collection of commodities rather than actual people. And if you're talking about being a good GM that's building the salary cap puzzle properly, and you know you're going to have to pay a quarterback, you know you're going to have to pay at least one of your offensive linemen, one of your edge guys, one of your corners— in a salary cap league, as soon as you spend a boatload of money on a running back, you have less money for all of those other spots. And the market, the market price, you're going to be behind the eight ball because if you're paying this percentage of your salary cap to a running back, that's less of a percentage for the more coveted and more valued positions. So I totally see where the business element of this comes into play. That said, if you're the Colts, I think you pay Jonathan Taylor. I think you at least try to figure out a way to give him the franchise tag or give him you know, a two-year deal with a guarantee in it or something. Because regardless of if you can replace him by committee, having a guy like him who is one of the best skill players in the league when uh, you know, next to a rookie quarterback who's going to have a steep learning curve, I think that can't help but develop Anthony Richardson. Ironically, that's why Jonathan Taylor wants out of Indianapolis. Remote tomorrow, coming to you live from Bozeman, Montana. We'll have Tommy Mallott on the show. We'll have Ty Gregorak on the show. We'll also talk some Grizz and Big Sky Conference and NFL and everything in between. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just want to make sure – 
Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.